God, and this is all about you. Father, what a privilege and what an honor it is, Lord, to be in your presence this morning. Father God, the people that are before me this morning and those who would hear this CD, Father, have come and gathered because they have unique needs, Father. Father, I know that I am just a man. I know that I'm just a man and I'm limited. And Father, I do not have the capacity within myself to help these people without your grace and without your power. And so, Father, I humble myself before you this morning. Father, I pray that you would break the hard ground and, and that, Father God, that you would minister, enlighten, and encourage, and strengthen, and build up your people this morning, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that when it's all said and done, we would know that the Lord was in this place. Hallelujah. And so, God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, we're going to be continuing in our series this morning, and uh, we are in the seventh part of our series, and uh, we had um, have been uh, talking about marriage, and we had dealt with sure proofing in marriage. We had dealt with the various roles of marriage, and uh, then a few weeks ago, we kind of shifted over to deal with parenting, how we parent our children, and, and how to do it in a way that is pleasing to God. And so we're going to continue with that this morning, and we're going to be talking about a subject with regard to children uh, that you're going to love this morning, you're going to absolutely love. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready? Are you ready? Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to talk this morning about disciplining our children. Disciplining our children. <coughs> One of the things that we understand about man is that we were all created in sin, right? Every one of us. The Bible declares that, that we come into this world deprived. And we inherit Adam's sin nature from the time that we came into this earth. And the problem with that is that because of the fact that we have inherited his sin nature, that we make poor choices, don't we? You ever notice that, <laughs> that uh, from the moment that a child comes onto the scene, you know, from the moment that they can begin to crawl and begin to walk and, to, and begin to talk, that you never have to teach them to have, you know, temper tantrums, do you? <laughs> you know that you never have to teach them how not to share their toys. You never have to teach them how to hit another kid upside the head because they took a toy that supposedly belong to them. I mean, you didn't sit there and say, child, I want you to listen. When we go to the grocery store today, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to go to the grocery store and soon as I get in the checkout line, I want you to just go off. I want you to kick. 
I want you to scream. I want you to say, mine, give me what belongs to me. Mine, 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 mine. And when I don't give you what I want, what you want, on a count of three, I want you to go off. None of us never teach our kids to do that, do we? But it's amazing that they do just that. That they, they go off. They are disobedient and you know, and they, you know, and we sit back and we wonder, to, you know, it's like, how, how, where did you get that from? Who, you know, who taught you that? Because we all know what we teach our kids, right? We teach our kids the right thing. But for some reason, they, they just come out, they, they don't, they struggle with forgiveness. They, they struggle with sharing and they struggle with saying caring words because of the sin nature. And so then what God has given us as parents the responsibility to do is to train and to discipline our children. That is what our responsibility is. And so the Bible says that a child, in Proverbs, I believe twenty three nineteen, that a child that is left to himself will bring his mother and father to shame. And I believe today that we have raised up a bunch of rebels because parents, whether because they are naive or whether because they don't understand or whether because they don't embrace fully what God's word has to say about discipline, our children have grown up today and we have a major problem with juvenile delinquency. We have a major problem today with our teenagers, for an example, respecting authority today. I tell you, when I was a school resource officer years ago, I was in shock for a number of months because I could not believe what kids are allowed to get away with today. I was even more shocked today that, that I would discover that Parents who are to be the ones who are to help to instruct and to mold and to, to teach our children the right way, how to live, how to obey good principles, godly principles. I would see them walk into the school and they would defend their children even though they knew that their children were wrong. I used to sit back and I, and I marveled at that because I had a unique position because I could see them. And I saw what they were doing. And I saw the whole, I saw all the facade, and, but then I, I, I saw that when mom and dad arrived on the scene, there was this whole kind of different thing. And so I've seen parents say, you know, if their kid, you know, end up getting some kind of charge and unfortunately would get into the criminal justice system, oftentimes I would see those parents, they would go and they would get a lawyer and they would have their child stand in the courtroom and say, not guilty when they very well know that that child was guilty of what they did. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't get a lawyer and legal representation and defend our children, but how do we know that as a parent, our responsibility is to teach our children the difference between right and wrong. And one of our responsibility, our responsibility is, is that we teach them that they must receive responsibility and consequences for wrong behavior. Failure to do that, we do a disservice to our children. Because God has called us to be the parents, the ones that will bring order and discipline in their lives. And when we don't do that, we leave them in a place where we ruin them. And then we kind of wonder, like, you know, why did they turn out this way? And so we talk about the 
concept of discipline, God has given us several ways to go about that. Obviously, the teaching of the word of God is the authority by which we live. Obviously, parents, that we are called to rebuke our children when they are wrong. We have to communicate to them, let them know. And then God also gave us this other area called uh, discipline, or I should say physical discipline, or corporal punishment. Now, today, we don't like to hear the idea of, you know, physical discipline because many of the pundits and the critics and all of those folks say, well, you know, and the psychologists of the day say, well, you know, you, you're not supposed to spank your child. And, you know, for you to spank your child, you know, would mean that that is going to ruin the child and that is going to harm the child. And so, therefore, you should not spank your child. And so they have taken what a few people have done and abused the situation to paint a broad brush and to say that, that all physical discipline is wrong. Well, I want to invite you back to the word of God. One of the things that I have discovered over the years, and I say this to folks all the time, it doesn't really matter what my opinion is. It doesn't really matter what your opinion is. What really matters is what this book says. And there is a lot of folks out there to say, well, you know what? This was written thousands of years ago, and it's not applicable to the day. It's not applicable to our lives today. And let me tell you something that is far from the truth because the word of God will endure forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not this book. And so for the Christian, you say that I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Then, and I've been saying all through this series, then we got to come to a point where we say, whether I agree with the word or whether I like what the word says or not, that if the word says this, then I'm going to obey what it says. And how many know that God knows best how to raise our children, right? God knows best. The Bible says that in God is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And if God says that spanking is all right, then how many know it's all right if it's applied in the right context? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not talking about physical abuse, and we're not talking about some of those things. We're talking about, how many know there's a difference between physical abuse and godly child discipline? Two different things. And so we're going to deal with this concept today because I think it's important that as it relates to discipline, number one, that we have a good foundation and understanding of what it is and that we get back to the book. And begin to embrace what God says because every time that you and I make a willful choice that we're not going to follow this, we set ourselves up for failure. We, we listen, we put this book behind. You see, we're the, we're, come on, folks, we are the light of the world. And God knows what's best. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. You all look so happy this morning. <laughs> Glory to God. I feel like coming down and talking to y'all. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to talk about the foundation of discipline. Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're going to start at verse number 3. And if you're there, I want you to say amen. amen. For consider him, talking about Jesus, watch this now, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Least you become weary 
and discouraging your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Watch this. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Watch this now. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. How many of you have ever had a spanking from God? Some of us right now, we may find ourselves in a problem, and sometimes we need to ask the question, have we been disobedient to God's word in any way? Because the Bible says that God chastened those that he loves. And what happens in the physical is a reflection of what's in the spiritual. And so God has given us now a template as it relates to discipline. He says in verse number six, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. God loves us. Watch this now. And he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? God expects us to deal with our children. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Oh, I love the word. Glory to God. Shall we not much more readily be subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days <laughs> chasing us as seemed best to them. Parents, we ain't perfect. We all understand that. But he for our own profit, say for our own profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Watch this now. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, <laughs> but painful. And nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so we understand that God chastens his children. So that when you and I, for an example, when we step out of line, God deals with us. Now, what is the concept behind chastening? Because we said before that man was born into sin. And sometimes, you know, you know, we're filled with rebellion. We're filled with our own way. You know, and sometimes we we see what the word of God says, but we make a willful choice to disobey the word of God. And whenever we disobey God's word, there is a consequence. Whether that judgment is, you know, a judgment for wrong behavior that you have done or whether you have failed to adhere to the principles of God's word and you're reaping the consequences of that. God does deal with his children. But why does he do it? He does it because what? He loves us. And God wants us to be partakers of his holiness. Now, why are we saying all this? Because this provides for us a template of how parents ought to raise and to discipline their children. We, are, we discipline our children. I know our kids sometimes think, oh, God, mom and dad must hate me. Mom and dad must not really like me. No, that's not true. We are doing it for your benefit. Why? Because we want you to be a partaker of everything good that God has for you in your life. Come on, somebody. And so he does it for our own profit. Parents, when we discipline our children, the whole, the whole thrust of it is that 
we're doing it for them, not because we're angry, not because we're trying to get back at them, but because we love them and we're doing it for their good. He says that no discipline seems enjoyable. I mean, notice sometimes discipline ain't enjoyable. I can remember many times when Pops had to deal with me. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't an enjoyable concept. But boy, it made a difference in my life. And so God deals with us. Even though sometimes we don't like the way that it feels. We don't like the way that it come out sometimes. It is for our benefit. And so the whole idea behind discipline is to train, to teach, and to encourage. So parents, when we speak about disciplining, it, we are talking about training and, 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 and building our children up, training them in the way of righteousness so that they can experience all that God has for them. Now, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. I want you to turn there because I don't want nobody to go out here and say, well, Pastor Bailey, you just made that up. So I'll just take you to the word. How many know that the word will stand for itself? Glory to God. I believe that with all of my heart. The word will stand for itself. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 15. Proverbs chapter 22. Boy, y'all quiet today. Verse number 15. Watch this. It says, foolishness, the word foolishness mean lacking in sense, lacking in judgment, lacking in discretion, full of rebellion, full of silliness. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction would drive it far from him. Oh, watch now. Wait a minute. You, you didn't just read that to me, Pastor. The Bible says, how many know that in our children, we already discussed how that they come out, you know, rebellious, lacking discretion, lacking judgment, trying to get their own way. But the Bible says that there is a point in time that when all your talking ain't going to make any good, there's a time to apply the board of education to the seat of learning. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There comes a point in time that all the talking will not matter. And I've seen parents over the years, you know, I, I see them with their little ones. Don't just stop, just stop. No. And parents, don't, don't, don't do that. You know, you're not supposed to. Really? How about let's go over here. We're going to have a little talk because we're going to deal with that. That ain't going to happen no more. We're going to apply the Board of Education. Now, are we saying that we are to always take out the rod in every situation? Absolutely not. But how many know that there comes a point in time that God has given us instruction on how to do this? And God says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will, draw, will drive it out. There are some sins that are only going to be dealt with when you apply the board of education or the rod. Now, what does the word rod mean in the Hebrew? I want you to study yourself. Rod means, what did, what did we turn the heat up to? Because it's gotten pretty hot. Can we? Yeah, but can we just put it like on like 70 or 65 because it gets really hot in here? You can drop it to 65 if you don't mind. But he says the, the word rod there means shebet, S-H-E-B-E-T. In, he, in the Hebrew, that word means a stick or a staff for punishing. A stick or a staff for punishing. And we're not talking about something that 
that would inflict or harm somebody. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that will be used in order to apply some education and some discipline where it's needed. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, watch this. He who withholds his rod hates his son. Whoa, wait a minute. You're kidding me. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And so the Bible says that if you withhold your rod when it needs to be applied from your son or your daughter, you really hate your child. Now, to us, that doesn't mean sense because in reality, you know how a lot of us parents are, right? Some of us, I don't want to see them cry. <clears throat> my wife laughed because those used to be one of my wife's things. And I learned early on that I'd rather them cry real loud now than when they get 16 and 17 and 18 when the police had to put the board to them because it ain't going to be the same. And so, you know what? If you got to cry now, that's good. We'll deal with that. As long as you're not hurt, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. The Bible says now if you withhold it, you don't like your child. You hate your child. That's what the word of God says. And so, parents, we've got to come to a point where we say, wait a minute now, if God's words say this, then am I going to, to deal with this? And we're going to talk about in a moment how we do it, because I think that is equally as important. The Bible also says in Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Glory to God. I can remember, man, when my dad used to get me. He, see, my, I used to, my dad was funny because he, he, was, he was like, you know, he would always give me like this warning, right? And what he would say is, I'm going to get you later on when I come home. And usually, a lot of times, he would tell me that very, very early in the morning. He would say, son, or, you know, or he would tell me that night before. He would say, son, when I get home from work, I'm going to take care of you. And the whole day, I'm in torment. <laughs> Boy, we used to sit there, man, and some of us guys, man, the guys I grew up with, we used, to, we used to stretch and get ourselves ready because we knew it was coming. I had one of my boys, he used to do it all the time. He knew daddy was going to get him. He started stretching and trying to get himself mentally prepared for what was about to happen. But one of the things I used to love to do, and a lot of kids do nowadays, is that I would, before my dad, even laid one hand on me, I would scream and kick. Because I said, boy, if I scream, I act like I'm dead. He won't hit me. <laughs> boy, what a mistake. Because it turned up the heat. I mean, I used to get, yeah, and I would scream, ah, and he haven't even hit me yet. Oh, I'm, I'm having convulsions, and God, ah, ah, ah. he's looking at me like, son, I haven't even hit you yet. I'm already dancing. <laughs> Acting like I'm about to what? Die. But the Bible says that do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with the rod, the scripture says it, read it, he will not die. But you will save his life and her life from destruction. Because, you know, here's what another problem is. Sometimes as parents, we look at this thing, right? And we say, you know, we think it's cute when our little kids, you know, sass us sometimes. You know, we think it's cute how they, they can speak articulately and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And we, oh, look at that. This is cute. 
And then they become 12 and 13. Their voice drops. 15, 16, I ain't doing it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Ooh, man, how do you know at that point, it's a little bit late. Because you failed to take responsibility when they were young. And so you got to start with them from the time that they arrive on the scene. We started very, very early in life. Because what is the whole purpose of discipline and training? Because if you leave them to themselves, they're going to destroy themselves. And as parents, and our responsibility is to discipline them so as to lead them in the right way. Because they don't understand. They think they do. But they don't really I know that that's a shock to some of you all, kids, but it's the truth. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11, watch this. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed swiftly, the, heart, the hearts of men are set on doing evil. Is it no wonder why we have a lot of problems today in our society? Because we delayed the inevitable. And one of the bad things as parents, one of the worst things that we could ever do is say something to our child and we don't follow through with it. Because when you do that, you lose all credibility. We aim for one-time compliance in my house. I tell you one time, that's it. I give you a warning. How do you? How do you administer physical discipline? Let's talk about that for a second. First of all, I believe that when a child is under the age of two, I think you ought to try not, you ought to avoid it altogether. But as soon as they can begin to walk and talk and begin to understand, me and my wife, we used to have like little newspaper. And whenever they would do something like we would say, don't, don't go to that stove. You know, and they'd look right at us and go, that's baby, leave her alone. Leave alone. And so we need to be careful. I think that up until that point, until they get at least around two years old before we start using any physical discipline would be wise. Secondly, we ought to do it in private. How many know that we're not trying to embarrass our children? You know, we're not trying to put them on display. I can recall that my dad, you know, I'm from the old school. I know what I'm saying. My parents weren't perfect. But I, many times, my dad would wear me out. My buddies would be right by the window laughing. I could hear them laughing while I was up there screaming. Dad was going to town on me. Brother know who my dad is. But he used to, he used to go to town on me and, he, and I would hear the teenagers out there laughing. And it was humiliating. How many know this parents that our job is to train and to correct them not to humiliate them. So we ought to do it in private. Thirdly we ought to ensure that before we discipline that the act is clear rebellion and defiance. See, you don't, we don't discipline our children for mistakes that they make. You know, if they happen to spill something on the floor, or if they happen not to do something the way we want it to be done, how I many know that that is not what we, we, we don't discipline them for that, but we discipline them when they look you right in the face and they defy you and they tell you, no, I am not going to do what you say, even though you said it. Now, that is when it is time to step up a little bit to the plate. And deal with the situation. But you got to make sure that you're only disciplining in situations where there is clear defiance of what you want them to do. The fourth point is that there should be a warning first. One of the wonderful things about God is that before God disciplines us, he always first gives us a warning. 
And I always say to my kids, before we do anything, I'll tell them first, say, look, if you do thus and thus, here's what's going to happen. Or don't do that again, or here's what will happen. And when you do that, make sure that you follow through. Fifth, make sure your, child's under, your child understands why they are being disciplined. You know, parents is very, and this is, this is where parenting is so important because we have to make sure that our kids fully understand. Our kids should never receive a spanking if we're going to do that and they not see it coming. They ought to know in advance what the rules are. They ought to know and be very, very clear on, okay, this, these are the things that will lead you into a path that you don't want to go. And so what you do is you want to make sure that they fully understand what it is that they're being disciplined for. And this is parents where we have to be very, very clear on that. We got to make sure that they understand that. Then we need to apply the rod properly if we're going to physically discipline. We're going to talk in a moment about different kinds of discipline, but we're talking about physical discipline, applying the rod. We need to make sure that we don't apply the rod to you know, anybody's face or anything like that. But I really believe that that back part of your body, that God has anointed that to be the place to administer the Board of Education. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart. That's why you got all that cushion back there. Some of us got more cushion than others. So it means more for you. (laughs) Maybe that was a prophecy. Maybe that was a warning of some kind. I don't know. Talk to God about it. Seventh point is we never, ever spank your child out of anger. Parents, that's one of the worst things that we can do. If you find that you find yourself getting angry and mad at your child, then, you know, before you do anything, take a walk. Say, look, you know, sit right here. I'll be right back. Clear your head. Get yourself together. Why? Because you remember that the whole objective is, is to teach them. And we don't want to provoke them to anger. We don't want to get them mad because we're mad and we're firing off on them because we're angry because then it becomes something else. And I can tell you that there have been many people that I've seen get incarcerated because they made some bad choices with regard to that. So never strike your child out of anger because it's about training and instruction. And then after you minister it, you need to comfort them at the end. How do we know that God comforts us in our affliction? And so when we administer good godly discipline, we need to comfort them to let them know, you know, I, I, I love you. If you really love me, you wouldn't have did that too. No, I I really do love you. Because, see, the thing about applying the rod is it lets them know that there is there's pain that's a consequence of wrong behavior. It sends a message. What happens down here sends a message up here that that's not the way to go. And but we need to comfort them and let them know that it's nothing personal. I love you. But I got to do it the way that God says do it. And then if there were, and then the ninth one is that if there was somebody else that were involved in that situation that they sinned against, you need to have them to go back and seek forgiveness. You see, this is godly discipline. That if they have offended somebody else, that they, you need to teach them, you know what? You know, if you did wrong, then you need to go to the person and apologize to them. Let them know that, you know what? I'm sorry about what I did. Because what is that teaching them? Number one, it's teaching them humility because they ain't going to want to do it. Because it's hard. I've seen our kids do it. They don't want to do it. I mean, go, I'm sorry. 
No, no, no. Look, look, look at them. Look at them in the face and tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. You know. And what are you doing? You're teaching them humility. You're teaching them to take responsibility for their action, and you're teaching them to obey the word of the Lord. Now, let's talk about for a moment the discipline of teenagers, because I believe this: that as our children move from grade school to junior high and high school, that we shift from physical discipline to grounding. Because I believe that once they start getting to junior high school age, we've been, in, you know, spanking is off limits. All your spanking should have been done up to that point. But I believe that a lot of times the parents, if we apply these principles early in our child's life when they're young, that it's going to alleviate a lot of these problems when they become teenagers. I really, really believe that. It says, and we talk about this, we want to shift to grounding, you know, grounding, you know, things like, you know, and we talk about grounding, punishment, things like, you know, driving privileges for your teenagers, uh, you know, dates, or sports activities, allowances, hallelujah, purchases of their favorite clothing articles, movies, or whatever it is. But we come to a point, and remember this now, that we, it's still about we want them to understand what the parameters are. And so one of the things that we do is we ground them, we take things from them, and we let them know that if you do this or if you do that, then we're going to remove this from you. How do we know that a lot of things that our kids do, it is privileged? I tell my kids all the time, it's privileged for you to live in my house while I pay all the mortgage and pay all the bills. Glory to God. I'm not ashamed to say that. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that you get to do certain activities. You get to eat up all my food and all. It's a privilege. You think it's a right. I say it's a privilege. Hallelujah. Because I'm paying for it. That's the way I feel about it. Glory to God. And so, parents, it's important that, 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 that we maintain a consistency. If we say to our children that if you do this, this will happen to you, and they do that, and you don't follow through, you have lost. Because you will not have any credibility whatsoever. They will not take you seriously. And particularly if you have a strong-willed child. Has any, anybody here have ever been a strong I'm talking to your adults. Were you all strong-willed child, children? Were you strong-willed? No. Brother, were you strong? No, you, no, you was easy going just like you are now. I'm sure Leslie wasn't strong-willed, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. But strong-willed children, it's become even more important that you follow through. Because, you know, I got this, um, you know, my dog, Princess. You know, and I, I always, you can learn a lot from animals. And one of the things that dogs like to do is that before they plug you, when they want to try to establish dominance, they look at you. I can remember when I was a kid, I used to, this, my, my friend had a German shepherd next to our neighbor. And they had this shepherd. And, uh, and this shepherd was kind of like, you know, every time I would come there, the shepherd would just stand there and just look. And I used to think, and, and you know, and my friend would always say, oh, he ain't going to bite you. And he wouldn't, you know, because I always thought the ones that did all the barking, that those were the ones that you got to look out for. What I found out later, that no, they, they ain't the ones that, those are the ones that the problem, it's the one that just kind of stare at you. <laughs> and I remember this shepherd, he just kind of stared at me. He didn't move. He just, and I looked and I said, well, he must be all right. 
And as soon as I walked by, he just grabbed me right here. And I jumped, oh, he bit me. Dog try to establish dominance when they look you. And I, I play this little game with my, with my dog at home. I'll say, my dog do something wrong. I'll say to my dog, no. And then the dog looks at me. And I look back at the dog. And I don't take my eyes off the dog until the dog looks away first. And what happened is my dog, Princess, little princess, all right? She's only 20 pounds. I got to give you that much, okay? I'm, but she'll just turn her head like this. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm still in control. I'm the man. <laughs> I'm still in control here. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, you laugh, but it's a principle the same way with our kids. When your child looks you in the face and they challenge your authority and they say to you, no, I'm not going to do that. How many know the fight is on? It's on now. Because that's one battle that I'm going to win. I can assure you of that. Because the, if you don't win that battle, you lose the authority in your home with your children. You have, you know, they will tear your house upside down when you give in. Because it's their nature to want to do that. Because what do children love to do? They love to test us. They love to push us to the limit just to see how far they go. And the worse it gets, the more and the stiffer the punishment gets. Because we'll keep doing that until you get the picture that I'm going to win this battle. It's important that we do that. And so when we're dealing with our teenagers, we need to set the parameters. And we need to let them know what the parameters are. And we need to be able to stand firm on what we say and not give in to that. In conclusion, Proverbs 18, 19 says this. Discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin their lives. That's Proverbs 18, 19, and that's in the New Living Translation. Discipline your children while there is hope. When there is no painful discipline for your child, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it might be, you may regret it when he or she hits the preteen years. Discipline your children when there is hope. There comes a time when you don't do it early enough that, you know, how many know that as they get older, they start to rebel? I'm not going to put my kids on the spot because I could tell you a testimony, but I won't want to humiliate them. But they will test you. And there's a point in time that the Bible says discipline them when there's hope. Because when they're young, they're more impressionable. You can get your point across easier. You can get their attention a whole lot more. But once they start kicking into that 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, boy, it's really difficult at that point because they've already kind of decided how they're going to do things. So discipline them while there's hope. For y'all who have young children, don't back down. Deal with it. Don't let your kids run roughshod all over you. If you have teenagers and you realize you've made some mistakes and you need to make some changes, you just need to sit them down and say, look, this is how it's going to be. Mommy and daddy might have made a couple mistakes, but now we're going to take control of the reins once again. Because I think it's important that we teach our children, we let them know, that we communicate with them. Because we love them. We want what's best for them. 
And if it comes to a point that they've already, you know, they've gotten out of control, then you just need to sit your teenagers down, okay, say, let the, let the parameters be clear. Okay, this is how we're going to do things from here on out so that they can understand what the rules are and they understand what the consequences are. Remember that discipline is about training and preparing our children for life. And that failure to do that as parents, we do a horrible disservice to our children. We cannot allow our own emotions to get in the way because how many know no parent, I don't know any parent that enjoys disciplining their children. I don't. I absolutely hate it. But I know if I don't do it, then I am setting them up for failure. And I love my children just like you do too much. And so I want to remind you that no matter what the pundits and whatever anybody else say, that you go back to this book and say, you know what? This is what the word of God says about discipline. And use as a template Hebrews chapter number 12. How does God treat us? Usually when I'm dealing with my own children, it's always how would Jesus, you, you hear people wear the little, see people wear the little band, what would Jesus do? How, would, how does Jesus deal with me when I'm rebellious? How does Jesus deal with me when I don't do what I'm supposed to do? How does, how does he respond? And then that helps to shape my response and how I deal with my own children. Because I think that's very, very important. Bow your heads. Father, we just thank you, Father God, that you love us so much that you discipline us. Father, I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, Father God, as a parent to be able to, to train and to instruct our children in the way of righteousness, Father. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would give us the wisdom that we need. Father, we confess that sometimes we just lack wisdom and understanding. But God, I pray you would give us the mental fortitude and the wisdom to discipline our children, God, out of love, not out of anger, and for their benefit, that they, Father God, may inherit and that they might receive the fullness of the blessing of this life that you have provided for them. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.